Welcome back to another episode of the Pen and Stone Podcast. I am your host, Alan, a.k.a. Sacred Haiku, and I am with another wonderful King guest, King Cotton. What's going on, King? Not much, my man. You know, just trying to strive and make it. Put the best foot forward. I feel you. I mean, 2020 started off. We had all these plans for 2020, making it all positive, and whew, it went from one thing to another to whew. Yeah, it definitely, um, it definitely escalated pretty quickly there as people, you know, people like use that phrase these days, you know. The interesting thing about 2020 is, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a big astrology zodiac, you know, mm-hmm. there stars and a lot of this stuff like that. And I actually, you know, took the time to read. I don't just read my horoscope or my, my wife's horoscope or my kids' horoscopes. You know, I read all of them to kind of see what they're saying. And me and the wife took the time at the end of night, 2019 to actually read all the horoscopes and 2020 was actually predicted this way for everybody's horoscope. You know, it, it may have been, may, might have been different words, but basically the sum of everybody's horoscope was, you know, 2020 is going to be a testing year. Mm. But if you, you take it for what it is and you keep your due diligence, even with what's going on around you, you're going to come out better on the other end, you know, and you kind of see that with people taking the time to meditate, eat better, get themselves in a further progression when it comes to spirituality and uh, being connected with the world, being aware of things. So, you know, it's a lot going on around us with 2020, but as long as you, you know, you're not stopping, you're not being stagnant, you keep progressing. We're going to be all right. It's it's major walls being broke this year, major walls coming down. Yeah, We're going to be all right. Yeah. It's, It's interesting you say that too, because it's like, me and a few other people were talking. It's like I mean, before um, COVID. We're going to start with COVID first. <laughs> before COVID happened, um, it was like there was so much things going on. Just, uh, it's like this gave you humility itself. It's like to calm down, take a time to kind of step back and look at your life in a sense and appreciate it honestly because we're we're always moving, going, going. Right, 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 right. And, you know, it's easy to get distracted when you say you're going to do something, you know, you're going to put your effort into this. It's easy to get distracted mm-hmm. with not just the, you know, the rat race that they keep us in, you know, that mouth hamster on the wheel going around and around, never obtaining what we're really looking for, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to, you have to understand that the universe is, it's like, you know, it's, it's two ways to get a lesson. You're either going to get it the easy way or you're going to get it the hard way. <laughs> and at this point, the universe is like, all right, he ought to have all this opportunity to do this on y'all own. I'm about to put y'all in a situation where y'all ain't got no choice but to do it. <laughs> and if you don't choose to do it, you're going to be worse than you was before. Like, if you don't take the time to really identify self, break down, you know, you improve you, What's going on around you don't matter. We keep us like you know, as we were just saying, we keep ourselves so distracted with what's going on around us, and we don't realize that the main variable in the equation is us. Mm-hmm. You know, we get us to our most efficient selves, and we can control a lot of what's going on around us. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just about continuing and understanding that the universe you gonna you gonna get the lesson one way or the other. Right. <laughs> Whatever you take out of it, it's a whole different story. <laughs> you know. Right. Last time we spoke, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about it or touch on it at all. Um, you went through a very traumatic situation. Um, I think that what was it twenty nineteen that happened with the with the accident. Yeah, October second. Yeah, you 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 better now from that and everything. You you've healed up a little more. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a lot better. I'm not completely back to 100%. I'm on light duty at work or whatever. I'm not completely back to 100%, but I'm definitely better than um, where I was. I've been through a couple physical therapists, a couple doctors, so it's been kind of a lot of shuffling and shifting with that. Yeah. Uh, corona tried to, you know, Corona tried to put his little hand in that and slow things up and all that, but, you know, just yeah. got to keep keep moving. Um, that kind of set set me down before 2020 and Corona and all that came in here. So, you know, it's like I've already been, unfortunately had no choice but to sit down uh, since October 2nd because of the, the accident with the 18 wheeler. But I'm, I'm mentally, physically I'm getting back to where I need to be mentally. I'm a lot better. Cause you know, I used to have a replays in my head, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I had to go see a therapist or whatnot, but no, nah, it was, it was definitely eye opening not too many people that walk away from an 18 wheeler accident mm. without any broken bones. You know, it's not too many people that walk away, period. Right. You know, that's not, you know, rest in peace. All the people that's been in accidents with 18 wheelers and didn't make it. I'm, I'm blessed. And and I've seen it coming. I've seen it coming in my review mirror. I just couldn't deliver into my water truck, get ready to back up in the customer. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, I'm not even going to get into all the details. It definitely was, yeah. definitely was eye opening and hair raising, so to speak. Yeah, I didn't want to like you know, bring it up too much if you weren't comfortable with it, and you know, kind of because I just want to make sure you're okay and everything, and you know, the healing process is it's working for you. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling better. Definitely feel a lot, lot better mentally and physically. Yeah, that's good. Have Have you written anything in the last few months or at all since Corona at all? Um, I've been working on a couple of things. Uh, I may have finished one piece. Did I finish that piece? I've been working on a couple of things. I haven't really put a period on a few things, right. um, especially with what's going on uh, with the social issues. Um, definitely been, my brain's been stewing. Um, and I got this piece brewing in me right now. What's going on with the social issues? I just need to, mm. I need to sit down and really like microscope it and understand what it is that I'm trying to say. Cause it's a point of view that a lot of people are not understanding. What word is that? Understanding. <laughs> so a lot of people aren't understanding with our fight for our rights and social issues mm. and the terms that's that's being used. So I feel like until we break that down, we're never really going to get to where we're where we're supposed to be. Um, and I can elaborate on that a little bit more if you want me to. Um, yeah, if you want, yeah, yeah. You know, we we. You know, in the Constitution, you know, it identifies what it says in the Constitution that a black person is three-fifths of a person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So knows I don't think we one. understand. Right. I don't think we understand what we do when we continue to say black. Mm. Black. And, you know, coming up in school for a long time, you know, I would get in, I would get in debates. I really don't try to argue with people, but I would get in debates like, we're not black. Black is not an ethnicity. They're not white. White is not an ethnicity. Mm. It's a color. Mm. it's a color so until we stop claiming black like I get it it's really what else do we identify with we have a hard time identifying with African American you know so we really have to do our research and understand who we are as people because we keep trying to fight for you know black lives matter and in the constitution even if you are fighting for black lives matter you, you're admitting that you're only equal to the three fifths of the constitution mm. that set you at right I don't think people really understand that. So you're not really fighting for an equal playing field because the Constitution itself says you're not equal. You're, you're putting yourself pretty much in the pocket. Like, oh, you want to be? Oh, you can be that if you want to. Don't worry. 
That's right. Cool. And that's the way that's that's what that's the way they look at us because it's pretty much three fifths is sixty percent. Mm. So I'm pretty much admitting once I say I'm fighting for that and I get it. It's, it we don't know really know what else to identify with, you know, because our identity has been stripped. You know, our history has been, you know, robbed from us. We're trying to find out the truth now. But it's like you're admitting that you're only 60% of a person when you continue to say black lives matter. Right. I'm black, I'm black, I'm black, and I'm proud. And I, like I said, I get it. I don't want nobody to think that they're not supposed to, you know, fight for what they feel they are. But we have to we have to recondition our minds. We have to unlearn and relearn what it is that's really been said in front of us because it's a chess game. Right. It's a chess game, and some moves that we make are really just cosmetic moves. Mm. It's not really doing anything. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it's me. just moving to be moving. Right. You know? Yeah. I so don't... it's like until we really break down that structure of that ideology of what black is and how the Constitution views us as black, we we, we fighting for an uneven playing field, and we don't even realize it. Now you, you, you're coming with some, some interesting perspective, you know, if anyone gets mad at that direction, you know, really think about the, the ramifications of if you only have 60% of your check when it's, when it's payday. Think about how much that will do to your household if you only have 60% of it. And, Kyle, you, you, you coming from that perspective, it sheds light really on, one, I've, I've been saying this since, you know, the, the whole protesting have started popping off and everything is, I really wish there was more organization and structure of it just not being a, a wildfire and it actually be a, a, an end game to the, to everything besides just, you know, um, emotions are running high, definitely. But the, the organization that has to happen because the enemy is organized already. And with the organization on that end, they already have two, three, four, five play, you know, pl- pieces on the chessboard while we're just pretty much trying to you know, scramble and figure out where we're going to be laying on the squares, you know, on the, on the, on the board ourselves. So there needs, I really believe there needs to be like some kind of organization focus and an and end game and goal, not just um, unification as well, but just what are we going to do, you know, as a community in general to really say, Hey, you know, we're, we're strong. We don't really need, um, we don't need the acceptance. We just need the respect. Right, right, and I completely, I completely get that because that's the, that's the thing. Like a lot of people, like I, I love to try to get people to understand things from all point of view. Because if you only looking at something from what angle, you only get in one part of the picture, right. and you really can't understand what you're looking at and how to view it if you're not getting the whole picture. So it's like you know, with that acceptance and respect thing, it's like you know, we really don't know how to accept ourselves oh. because it all plays back in that thing. We really don't know who we are like we you got a whole lot of us still this day and age even after our ancestors have fought for rights and stuff like that we're still trying to find our identity we're trying to find out our place in the world our purpose and our purpose is a simple one like everybody has the same purpose like what you do on earth is what you do to fulfill yourself but everybody has the same purpose and that's ascension and growth you never supposed to stop ascending. You never supposed to stop growing. And the way you do that is with the simple praises, uh, principles of compassion, love, understanding, honesty, trust. Like it's 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 simple, but we they've they've got us confused on who we are. When we look in the mirror, a lot of times we see a murky picture. We can't see ourselves clearly because of the you know what they keep us seeing. You know, it's a lot of us that fight with insecurities on what we're supposed to look like. And it's like when you understand that, like 
how can I be insecure on what I look like when they're trying to look like us? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like <laughs> that's, it's like, you know what I'm saying? And chess, and that's a lot of people don't understand what chess is. Chess is the ultimate mind game. Like <laughs> it's the ultimate mind game. So as you right, the enemy is a lot more organized than us because they understand these mental obstacles they put in the way and we're falling for it mentally. We, we focus so much on the physical you know, physically what they do to us, physically what we can do out in this world. And we don't even understand our own power, what we can control and who we are. And it's like playing into that term of black, like we're more than black. We're more than black. Right. Like the same way, the same way you got people in certain religions that try to argue that the, the letter J didn't exist until a certain point. So Jesus couldn't even be, you know, that couldn't even be his name the same way our ethnicity of being black didn't exist when we actually like, we've been black before black was ethnicity. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like we have to understand what we're playing into when we say that. So unless, and it goes back to that, you know what I just said, well, I go, if they, if we were to get them to amend the constitution, which is, highly unlikely, you know how they hate to, you know, the constitution is the constitution, right. but it's said in there, like they actually, you can pull it up. If you know, everybody can read the constitution. Yep. Black is three fifths of a person. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's why I think when you admit that you're right. When you admit that you're saying you fully don't know who you are and we don't, we, we, we fail to realize just, and even as, as poets sometimes, and we fail to realize just how powerful our words are the energy that mm. words carry, the the seeds that words plant. Like it's no different than a motivational speaker that tells you every morning, I need to wake up and tell myself I'm great. Mm. I'm great. I'm great. Why do you do that? Because eventually you're going to believe it. So if I continue to tell myself I'm black and somebody else has already put the energy out there, it's actually written in stone, black and white etched, which actually makes it more effective in the universe that that is only 60% of a person, three-fifths of a person, I don't even realize that I'm putting, like I said, I'm putting myself beneath the next man before I even give myself a fair shot at conquering this world. Oh, man, that's, you you better make me marinate, marinating on that later on, just like, wow. Do you, do you think that? I you know me, man. You know I get deep. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know I, honestly. See, I like to think about, <laughs> I like to, uh, you know what I'm saying? I like to press the mental. And it's not, you know what I'm saying, to put anybody in a box to make anybody feel any kind of way. Huh. But I keep, I just want people to question things because sometimes we also get in the mode of where we're not supposed to question things. You know, Christianity say we're not supposed to question God or whatever. You know, and a lot of people take that really to heart and it's not about even in that specific religion because I don't claim a religion. I was Christian at one time. I'm spiritual right now. I don't I don't I don't claim a certain religion because I've been that's a whole nother story. That's a whole another yeah, <laughs> whole another podcast. I've been on both sides. We, we I've done the whole there, speaking in yeah, I've done the whole speaking in tongue. You ain't even got to, because I'm with you, know what I'm saying? I'm, I, you can't nobody judge me. So, you know, I've done the whole speaking in tongues, falling out, having the sheet laid over me, you know what I'm saying? But when you even come out of that, you realize that's really a mental thing. Like you mentally put you, don't get me wrong, there's energies and, and you know what I'm saying? If you're not mentally disciplined, you can succumb to certain energies easier. But I tell people, like, even with, 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 with that, and I don't, I've lost my train of thought and where we were. <laughs> I can do that because sometimes I get too deep. My mind even goes down a rabbit hole sometimes. Yeah. But it's basically, you know, we have to, 
we have to really be able to break down the veil. And it's starting to happen because mm-hmm. people are starting to realize the mystical obstacles, the obstacles that's unseen, the fine, the fine print, so to speak. Everything comes with fine print. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like we're starting to read the fine print and understand it for what it is and realize how, because one word, and we know this as poets, one word in the sentence can change the meaning of that whole sentence. <sighs> yep. So it's just about how they're saying stuff, how they're, how they have stuff written that we really have to really have to, you know what I'm saying? The protest, the protesting works. Don't get me wrong. The voting works. Don't get me wrong. But if the constitution is our very foundation of our society and the constitution has that one major blemish in it, what we're fighting for is standing on a cracked foundation. Yeah. Did you see um the Gary the Gary Chambers speech that he gave to that um to the um the school board members? We just talk where we I'm not in Go right ahead, I'm sorry. Uh he pretty, pretty much just you know, it was, it was a great speech that he gave into the just expressing his frustration. But um he saw somebody well, I think I don't know who she was, but I think she was like high up on the board. But she was pretty much shopping while everybody was discussing the problems they had and I thought about what thought about that and what's what's happening now is from what you're saying, I agree with this. People are starting to notice that people aren't really paying attention. I mean it was known before, but it was kinda like that blind eye. Like I, I know they don't care. You know. Now it's like, okay, I'm gonna make I'm gonna put you on blast now for not, you know, actually putting forth the best foot putting the best foot forward to help. And with everybody who wants to help and they're Posting, you know, Black Lives Matter, posting uh, all these positive things and some support and donation, things down the third from various avenues. What's interesting is that nothing's really being done on the level of impact. I mean, I can I can hand you, you know, if you tell you tell me, that, oh man, I'm short on on rent, I can give you the rent money and everything like that. But if you know, if if, if I'm not help, if I'm not trying to help, you, hey man, what can I do to help you? To where you, you can do it yourself, or what can I help you for overall? You know, but it's only a short game that's being done right now. There's nothing really in process through the ones through the ones who can make the moves. Um, I've noticed so far, um, nothing's really being done besides cosmetic uh, things to make it look like, yeah, well, we're trying. <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's like a, it's, right, it's, right. It's, it's like putting makeup on, just like hey, yeah, you look good, but it'll wash off later. And and that's pretty much what was being done in society with us with a lot of things and it's, it's, it's for a lot of different, it's for a lot of different reasons, you know, when this has been, unfortunately our plight in America has been going on for a long time, but you know, when you start to get a certain age, you start to get a certain awareness level, you start to see things for what it really is. And, you know, I try to, I, I, I try to tell people, you know, it is a race war, but it's more so an economic class war than it's a race war. Mm, like, interesting. Yeah, their their poor community is only valued a little bit more than what our what our community is valued as a whole. Like, you know, do you got some of their community that's not that's not welcome to the table, so to speak? Right. You know, they get shunned. They don't they don't get the treatment that we get, of course, but they're still looked down on. Right. Um. 
of course, like I said, they don't get a treatment that we get, of course, <laughs> but they're still so, looked down on, so to speak. We, so we don't like, like you, but you, you know, can at least enter in the doorway. You can at least, right. at least we're stand definitely outside. Gonna treat you. We're definitely gonna, <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to treat you better than the ones we've deemed as dogs, and, you know what I'm saying, as animals. So we're definitely going to treat you better than, than, than them, but you're not too far from them, you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know don't what don't get it twisted. So, <laughs> right, but, it, and it's like, you know, as much as it is a, a race war, it's an economic one as well. It's a, this whole, even with the Corona thing, like it seems like 2020 has been a big money grab for a lot of people and a mm. lot of corporations, mm. um, marking things down, like absurdly, you got some stuff that's being marked down and I'm not talking about business places that's going out of business. These are big businesses. They marking stuff down 70, 80% and we're, we're not realizing you know, for one, I feel like this time should really show us the power of our dollar. Like to put it, because in many different ways, we are the wheels, we are the charcoal that makes this train go. Like <laughs> do, do, in many different ways, like you. I, I wanted to. That's interesting because you know I had an idea about idea about that. Was it? Do you think sometimes because of um, the uneducation, just like just spend, 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 spend. Meanwhile, on the other side, that's kind of like taught to save, invest, do this, this, and this. The and then meanwhile, in the communities, like I'm just gonna put out money whenever I get it. You think that's why it's so high, or it being a majority of um, there being a different reason? I mean, I feel like I feel like honestly, everybody. Of, is aware of us of who we are as a whole itself for us. Mm. So it's like it's like you know they understand the power of our work ethic. They understand the power of our finances. They understand the power of our ingenuity. They understand you know what what our minds is capable of because we've pretty much financial like whether it's financial infrastructure wise. Like I don't I don't hold no punches when I say we pretty much built America. Oh. We <laughs> There's somebody else's name on it, like everything, and like a lot of our stuff that we founded and created, there's somebody else's name on it, but we pretty much built America. But as long as you keep somebody, you know, not knowing who there is and always searching for their identity, you're not scared of them because that person doesn't know what they're capable of. You may know what they're capable of, but as long as they don't know what they're capable of, you have no reason to be scared. Yeah. So you keep them not knowing what they're capable of. It's kind of like the, um, the old movie. Uh, and I hate to use movies as references, but a lot of entertainment is based off life. It's just dressed up as different things. Um, I can't even remember the name of the movie. It was the movie with uh, Jet Li, where he pretty much was like a captive uh, fighter for um, a rich person. And he didn't know, you know, he didn't fully know who he was and what he was capable of until about halfway through the movie. And that just made him more lethal. Unleashed. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't, he, that, I, I want to say it was something like, I thought it was something like leashed, but you know, and you, you, yeah, you see so in different movies, like you keep, you keep them in a mental mouse well, hence the real, so to speak. You don't have to be afraid of them or their full capability because they'll never reach it. Yeah. They're always running around in maze, stuck in a labyrinth, hitting the wall after wall. And you know, when you when you step back and you view what's been going on with us, that's pretty much the way they've kept us. Keep mm. us hitting walls. Keep us, you know what I'm saying, in a mental mental anguish. Like, you know, you got people 
that have to keep up with things materialistically. You got people with insecurities because of the way they feel like they're supposed to look. They need attention from people. And like when you break it down, these are all distractions. It's hard for us to become self-sufficient. And when you mention self-sufficient, self-sufficient, you got people that try to equate that as selfishness. But it's not selfish if I want to be my best self right. so I can give my best self to the next person. Right. That, that's like, I mean, as a, even as a husband, you we, know, we do that to our wives. Who, who, you know, if we're horrible people, you know, you know we're, we're going to treat our wives horrible so that we got to be a best version of ourselves so that we can treat them right. 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 And if, and then that's the thing, like, and, um, and it's, it's, it's easier. These words I say is easier said than done. And I can, I can say that from personality experience because, you know, personally and from experience, because I've had to do the whole, you know, looking in the mirror, breaking myself down, stop blaming my parents for certain stuff that the baggage that I'm holding on to mm-hmm. strongholds have to be broken. Like cycles have to be broken, you know, and this is, this is a strong generational curse that's been, been handed, handed down, you know, sometimes, especially with our generation, we, you hear us say, especially in these times that we're not our ancestors. We're not going to handle this the same way our ancestors did, right. you know what I'm saying? But we don't even realize how that's even a stronghold in ourselves because we look at the way they handle some things and we don't approve of it. You know what I'm saying? And we don't necessarily know what they mental was at that time, right. you know? So it's like, until you can be the best you, you have to keep striving for that. And, you know, perfection, perfection is never really reached in human form because we're supposed to be flawed. We're supposed to be imperfect, you know, but spiritually we don't, we, we don't, we don't grasp just how much the spiritual plane controls on this physical plane. Like, yeah, man, them vibes, man, they, they speak, the vibes speak. Right. And that's where that comes from. The whole vibes, energy, like, it's real, like you know. I mean, how many, karma how, is real. How many times have you met somebody, you just look at them like, I don't know, something's just not right about them. And then <laughs> you may never even get your answer, but some way you just you you try to avoid it because it just doesn't feel right. Right, right, and that's the thing. Like you know, we we even with that right there, speaking lightly on that, you know, we place certain people in positions, and that's kind of why you know when I spoke on the whole religion and Christianity thing um, just a moment ago. That's kind of why I stepped out of out of that. Like, you know, we still have church in the home because the church is no more than two or three people agreeing together. You know, that's mm. that church doesn't church is not specific to any religion, but the whole realm of actually claiming Christianity or Baptist, because, you know, Baptist is just a section of Christi, uh, Christianity. So, but, you know, when you're when you're black, that's most likely what you claim, whether it's Southern Baptist, Northern Baptist, whatever Baptist it is, you're, you're most likely Baptist when you're black. But breaking down that whole aspect of meeting a middleman to speak to the same person that created me was kind of the same thing with this. Like we don't fully grasp that we all are on the same playing field. It's just a matter of if you tap into that discernment of feeling energies, feeling the vibes, Mm -hmm. knowing what's going on around you, Mm -hmm. listening to your intuition. Like when you start to, distance, not even distance yourself, but when you start to give these earthly possessions less power and you start to really tap into, tap into your spiritual, you will feel a lot more of what's going on around you. And we all have that ability. We all have yeah. that discernment. It's just a matter if you tap into it or not. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, even like with the COVID-19 situation, everybody had to stay home. 
you know, it's kind of like the distractions that, you know, we, we were talking about earlier, it kind of like ruined, it kind of uh, interrupted the wavelength to where just like, gotta go to work, gotta get this, oh no, the new phone's out, oh no, I gotta go get food, oh, I gotta, oh man, I, I wanna go to this concert, oh, I wanna do this, you know, you just go, 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 go for good stuff, bad stuff, that's not good, whatever, you're still distracted, and now you're at home, you're pretty much now in a, a you, you have no choice but to confront yourself, no choice but to confront your your spouse, your loved ones, your kids, your your your, your situation, and some people couldn't take it, I'm sure, of just like, I, I don't know how to handle it. And when you talk about the wavelength and the vibes and the energies, it's it, it's, it's kind of hard for people to really, especially if they never heard it before because they're always distracted. Learning to do it may take long. Right. Learning to do it is easy. It's just if you actually want to hear it. That's the thing. It's kind of just being honest with you. That's what it yeah. comes down to, just honesty with self. Yeah, yeah. And that goes back to... Um, Exactly everything you said. It goes back into that self-sufficient, that selfish kind of mindset. Because a lot of people feel like self-sufficient means being alone, and it doesn't mean it doesn't definitely doesn't mean being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it means you know I'm gonna work on myself because I understand. Like even in those times, like you know, you just spoke on, you know, people not being able to, they're not being able to go like they want to go. So it's mentally playing with them. They got to confront themselves. They got to confront, they, you know what I'm saying? They got to be with their spouse. They got to be with their kids. Do you know, like, how absurd that, that, that sounds? Right. And I just ask people that question. I don't really play no more into it because it's like, you can't be around the people that you say you love the most. Mm. Not just the kids and your spouse, but you have a hard time sitting in your own space. Thanks. Like there's really some breaking down that needs to be done. Like, and people feel these feelings without even understanding that they trying to understand the basis of them. They just think it's normal. I'm sorry, but it's not normal to not be able to be around yourself. Right. It's not normal to be able not to be around the, what came out of you, what you created for men. You know, it's what we created for women. It's, you know, kids come out of them. It's not normal for you not to be around your children, right. not to be able to be around them. Like you need that eight hours a day to day. School is not daycare. It's not a break. It's a place where they're supposed to go get education. You know, and it's like right. your work is not a break from your spouse, your family. It's a tool that you're supposed to use to be able to take care of them and take care of yourself. So it's like that whole, when this first hit and people, you know, probably about a month, month and a half in, people started getting that term cabin fever, you know, so to speak. I've come to hate that term. I hate the term <laughs> cabin fever. I, I, I so despise it because it's like, if I can't do it in a time where I have no choice but to do it, I sure enough not going to do it when everything opens back up. And like I said, and I appreciate the people. I love the people, the people that are sitting down, taking this time, to manifest, work on themselves, get themselves at a more progressive, more progressively spiritual and mental state because that controls more the physical than what we realize. Mm-hmm. You know, kudos to them, peace and blessings to them. But there's still a lot of people that's just like they're hiding from themselves, they're running from themselves. Yeah, it's it's, it's not you know, even, and I see, yeah, I see memes that make it even more confusing. I seen a meme the other day like where where we're, we're worried about something killing us on the inside while also fighting something that's killing us on the outside while at the same time trying to keep our mental capacity 
trying to work, take care of family, keep our spouses intact. It's like, you know, we make things more daunting than what it is. And don't get me wrong. I have my moments where I wake up and I just, I feel like blah, like this morning, me and the, me and the, me and the wife both, we woke up, we probably, because the newborn, we probably initially woke up like six, seven, went back to sleep at like eight, got like three miles of sleep, woke up at 11. When we woke up at 11, we both just felt like, uh, like blah, like, yeah. yeah, just like, like no motivation, like even this, like, you know, the flesh wanted to be like, nah, I'm going to reschedule this podcast today. But my <laughs> spirit was like, no, there's no reason you need this. Somebody else may need this. Like it's, it's, it's bigger than you itself. So, you know, I took my, I grabbed my crystals that I got. I got a little pouch of crystals. I got some, uh, got some amethyst, got some, uh, fluorite, got some, uh, I got like five different crystals in my little pouch that I carry around just trying to keep my energy um, around me and within me on a steady basis so I don't have to feel like blah or I don't have to feel like I don't know where I'm going, what I'm doing, how to, you know, discipline myself, things like that. And grabbed my crystals, took a shower, embraced my wife. We cleaned up the kitchen and, you know, I took the shower last. But when I came out of the shower, I felt like a whole new person, like, Mm. So it's just a matter of when we go through these things and we feel like we can't cope, we can't deal. Like for some people, depression is a real thing. I don't, I don't try to belittle them. I don't try to belittle anybody. They feel like they're going through depression. They're dealing with mental issues, but I do try to get people to understand that depression more so than a lot of the other mental issues is really a state that you allowed yourself to wallow in and you really don't know how to bring yourself out of it. So it's like, and I've been there. I can personally say that I've been there, especially after the October 2nd thing. I went through depression. I went through depression before that, but I went through depression and I realized like, I am the master of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I can control everything that goes on around me, mm-hmm. but it's up to me to want to be able to control that. Yeah. It kind of plays into the people that call themselves God body. They call themselves mm-hmm. gods because they understand that they can create and destroy. They can control just about everything around them. What does a God do? He creates and he destroys and he controls just about everything around him. So it's like, I don't claim to be God body. Like I said, I don't claim no religion. So I just understand that I'm a master of what's going around me more than they want me to believe. I'm not just at the whim of what happens, happens. Like that saying it is what it is. Nah, it's not it is what it is. It is whatever I want it to be. You better, so. make, you better make me stop saying that now. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I say it being funny, but it's, it's you know now looking about a reason why I say it is what it is. It's like it's kind of like you're just putting a band aid on a situation where you you kind of don't want to deal with it or you don't want to really process right. it. And um, even as simple as when um, when I was about to lose my job because of the of this, the companies being sold, and I was so worried, and I got to a point where I just got kind of numb. Um, and I was just like, you know, it is what it is. You know, I'll just do what I gotta do and move on from there. But now, you know, but at the same time, I didn't, I, I didn't allow myself to just wallow in like, oh man, what if this happens? What if this happens? You know, I, I'll be in trouble and just stress myself out. Um, but you know, with, with the depression mindset, um, that's why I wanted, that's why to me, the limitless, limitless, uh, event was so important to me personally, you know, I'm sure other people in, 
you know, people probably heard me bring up this, this event over and over again, but that's just how impactful that event was for me personally of, I feel like it was a way of me going to the next level of myself to where it's like, okay, no longer will I be stagnant emotionally, mentally, poetically. Um, in the last few months with COVID and this whole situation, I've been writing a lot more fiercely and, and, and creatively. I mean, I took a break from the podcast to rest and write my book, but honestly, I didn't really write the book. I took the time to kind of just evolve in a sense. And besides this whole uh, protest situation, you know, the, the murdering and everything that's going on, kind of like a mental shift in that by itself. But it, during this time, I really got to know more of who I am uh, inside. And this this depression mindset, because I like I, I me too, I've been there too, um, to where you just don't want to, you don't want to do anything, you don't want to even. Uh, you don't even want to cook dinner. You don't want to eat anything. Uh, even that cheese, right. that cheese is cracker right. doesn't even taste good no more. You know, the Reese's don't even taste good no more. <laughs> and right, you and I, I could only imagine being trapped in this dark bubble. People who can't get out of it. Um, like 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 you said, you know, it's not turning down anybody or trying to say you can get out, you can get out. Because some sometimes it is just so hard. There's so many factors into it to where people aren't capable. And I, I can only, I can't imagine how they feel, but the only thing I can do is rely on myself and like, okay, for me personally, I don't want to stay there, you know, because it's, it's, nothing, right. it's nothing more freeing. I didn't write poetry for a long time, a long time. And then I started writing poetry again. And I think avenues have opened up way more since then in my person. And I've been a little more happier internally, not just like, you know, outwardly, but internally I've been happy. And I can only imagine if the depression before, the bad situation before was where I wasn't writing, I chose not to do it. I chose not to put you know, put writing in, in my life. That's just how important it is for me. And now that I'm doing it, it's there. I don't want to lose that feeling again. So I don't want to go back to that dark state. And I really feel bad for those who have a hard time getting out of that dark room. Yeah, and it definitely is. Um, you know, it's kind of like the, the sweeping the dirt under the rug, you know, or the, the throwing, you know, as kids, I'm pretty sure it ain't too many people that's grown now that when they was kids, they didn't go through the whole thing. Or when it was time to clean up, they just took, you know, most of their clothes and just threw them in the closet, <laughs> threw them in the closet, threw them in the closet. Yeah. And it got to the point where, you know what I'm saying? Every time they opened up their closet, they felt overwhelmed. And, you know, depression is kind of, kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, you just let it everything, you're letting your emotions pile up, you're letting everything pile up and you're not really dealing with it. And it's going to get to a point where it's going to feel insurmountable. When at some point it was surmountable, you just didn't have the motivation or, you know what I'm saying, the thought to get through it. Right. And I get it for some people that's hard. That's some people that's hard, but that's where you have to, you have to reach out. You have to, you have to do what makes you feel good at that moment whether it's poetry or poetry makes you feel better, you have to do it. If it's walking outside, you have to do it. But even in doing something that makes you feel better, you still have to understand, all right, there's an issue that I need to address. I just can't do something to make me feel better mm. and not really deal with the issue. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, because if I don't deal with it, it's still there. You know, it's kind of like that whole cosmetic thing we were speaking on earlier with putting makeup on things, you know. You can put mascara 
uh, is it mascara you put over a pimple or is it a blush? Whatever it is. Whichever what, makeup what you would put over a pimple. Foundation. There you go. The wife, the wife just, she just directed me. It's foundation. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> Man, do you, you, know, do, you, do, you catch your, do you catch yourself sometimes and be like, dang, why do I know this? You know, <laughs> I shouldn't know this. No, nah, I do. I do. I do sometimes. Sometimes I do catch myself like, I know too much about women. <laughs> no, nah, sometimes, sometimes I do. <laughs> but, you know, you can put you can put foundation on a pimple. Right. And the pimple look like it's not there. It can be completely smooth and blended in. But under that, the pimple is still there. Right. There's still a pus-filled pocket, an oil-filled pocket. It can be red. It can be irritated. So you're not really dealing with the issue. You're just covering it up. It made you feel good for the moment not to see it. But you got to understand there's still something to deal with there. Because depression is, is, is a lot the same way. Like, don't get me wrong. We all have moments where we feel completely down. Stuff happens like even outside of the normal stuff that people get see people down, like, you know, death gets people down, mm-hmm. you know, losing someone gets people down, you know, certain stuff. But it's like that stuff you really, you know, that stuff is supposed to have an emotional attachment. Right. You know, sometimes we get, we get too flustered. We're like, we can lose a job and we don't know where our next job is coming from. And I get it because that starts the domino effect of how I'm going to take care of myself, how I'm going to take care of my family. But there's plenty of them out there. You just have to put your best foot forward and find it. Right. You know, Even that means and it's just like, with the, right. You have to, you know, and it's like, sometimes we keep ourselves um, committed to certain things that we don't realize we committed ourselves to them. Like, you know, people with bad budget and bad finances, they can say they got bad budget and bad finances, but like you just said, they're still going to buy, buy bo, uh, bad. Uh, they're still going to buy bojangles. Right. They're still going to buy things they don't need. Right. They're still going to spend money in ways. They're trying to justify it. They're trying to make it right. But at the end of the day, they know they could be doing better. Right. So it's like, you know, even the good word says, "He who not knows is better than the person that knows." Mm, yeah. And even, even ignorance can be claimed. But so much, you know what I'm saying? That's true. You can only say you're ignorant to something so long. Right. That's that's like you know when when you, like you say sorry to somebody, knowing you did wrong. If you do it again, you keep on doing it. Your your sorry is is not valid, you know, because you you keep you're not stopping. You're 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 continuously, in this case, hurting yourself or keeping you in this one one area. Or you're not confronting this demon that's in front of you. Right. Right. That's definitely definitely similar um in that aspect and it's like you know that's why you know i don't i don't know i don't like how do i put it it's like i value people and i value relationships right but i understand the same way i wake up and go to sleep it might not be the same the next moment like I understand things change, like flowing, like water, it flows. It's a constant flowing, you know what I'm saying? But it can change direction. It can change how fast it flows without any kind of, you know, reason for it to change. So it's like when you understand that everything in life is really a variable itself for you, it's like me personally, I honed in on controlling what I control and that's me myself. Right. Like, I can only control me in a situation. I can only make sure I'm putting my best foot forward in a situation. So even if a situation turns out ugly, I can walk away from the situation 
knowing I'm completely good. My conscience is good. I ain't got to feel like I'm, I ain't got to have no strong emotions with a situation that might lead me to depression because I know I gave my best effort. I know I put my best self forward in a situation. Right. So if this time 2020 and I'm 33 this year, so, you know, they say that's supposed to be like that, that year when the age of 33 is supposed to be like when you start getting a lot of stuff, when it really starts to come, you know, full circle, when really things really start to make apparent to you. And it's like, I've always been a pretty aware guy. I've always been a smart guy, not trying to toot my own horn. I've always looked at things from a different point of view because that was me and my way of not understanding something. Like, you might not understand something from the point of view you're looking at it, but if you take your time to try to picture it from another angle, you may understand it. Yeah. Some stuff is just understandable. Yeah. Like some stuff is not meant to be understood Yeah. because the point of view that it's coming from is just so obscured. It's not coming from a stable point of view. Mm. That's why with I, understanding, but no, I was, I was just, I was just going to say, that's why I like, um, that's why I like talking to having conversations and, uh, about things with, with different people. Um, because I learned so much uh, from seeing it from a different perspective. And then even if I still may have the same uh, mindset, my viewpoint is different to where now I can see a different uh, like you said, perspective. But I, I'm able to absorb or actually able to not keep myself locked into one thought process. Because um, sometimes, a lot of times what happens is, you know, when you're in this one thought process, you get upset because you do not understand. And, right and, and not understanding, I forgot who said. They said, "Not understanding is what leads to to anger. Not understanding what leads to fear. Fear leads to anger, and it just boils down to where you need to educate yourself and actually have an open mind to things. To where you're you're not you can't you're not gonna be afraid to now you're angry or you're 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 gonna harm somebody because you can harm yourself because you're so afraid. Right, right, and that's what and, you know. With that, it's like. Not having that understanding, we have to understand that don't mean we can't get that understanding. You know what I'm saying? It's like just because you don't understand don't mean you can't get yourself to a place of understanding because, you know, we all want to feel like we're understood and what we're saying and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, some people don't even know how to, you know, I'm people, people like you, we run in the same circle. So, you know, the people that's real close. Right. or whatever, they'll tell you, like, he's real big on self. Like, I'm so big on self because we put so much, like, when stuff happens to us, we'll try to put so much accountability on responsi- and responsibility on the outside forces, mm-hmm. and we don't ever stop to think, well, how could I have moved differently? What could I have done differently? Mm-hmm. Even if it ain't nothing but you ignoring the red flags, like, you know, you ignore the red flags, what in you made you ignore the red flags? Right. You know, it's like, for instance, with new relationships, you know, everybody's been through NRE, new relationship energy, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they ignore the red flags. They want this to be stuff like that. But it's like, once it falls apart and you realize that you ignored those red flags of a situation, you didn't have to break down. Why is it that you ignored those red flags? What is it in you that made you want to be attached to that situation? Is mm. that healthy? Is that needed? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the way, personally, that's the way I break everything down because I understand that not just my body, like our bodies naturally take in, like we can put anything we want through, through our mouths. Like we can swallow anything, 
but our body is not necessarily going to digest and take in everything as nutrients. Like even the stuff that it doesn't process out, it tries to push it out. Unfortunately, that's a lot of stuff that becomes tumors like metals and stuff like that. But our bodies naturally take in what it needs and tries to get rid of the rest of it as waste. We have to be the same way with our mind and our spirits. We have to understand that everything our eyes see doesn't necessarily have to be internalized. Everything that we hear doesn't have to be eternalized. Everything that our mind, you know what I'm saying, thinks about doesn't have to be eternalized because a lot of times we're programmed to think a certain way before we even get a chance to be in that situation. Mm, true. From the examples of what we see before us, from TV, like, you know, I take, I take intimate relationships as the main component of that. We're programmed how to react in an intimate relationship before we even get in one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like males think we're supposed to be this overbearing, dominant, protecting, macho. I got to be there all the time. She needs me. She's got to be dependent upon me. You know what I'm saying? And women, they're programmed with this. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I'm helpless. I'm defenseless. You know what I'm saying? Like I need a man, you know what I'm saying? Things like we're programmed before we even get in situations. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? About the situation before we even get in the situation from the time we're able to start seeing and hearing. Right. So it's like until we're able to break that down, because a lot of people don't even understand a lot of thoughts that they have are not even their thoughts. Right, right, exactly. A lot of emotions that they feel, you know what I'm saying? A lot of emotions that they feel shouldn't even be entertained. Right. Like, that's one big thing I am about my kids. Like, I tell them, like, it's certain, it's certain emotions. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel it at the time that you feel it, but at that moment, you need to break it down on why did you feel that emotion, especially if you know it's one that you shouldn't harbor, like jealousy, envy, hate, stuff like that. Like, don't get me wrong, because we're human. We're going to feel those things. A lot of times it's because we're programmed to feel them. But we have to break that down and understand that anchor and that weight that put on us when we really put ourselves in a box of wanting to feel jealousy, envy, anger, stuff like that. Like, it's all about dealing with your emotions and knowing how to deal with them. And it's okay to be wrong, too. The acceptance of if you are wrong about something, whether it be you're feeling, let's say you are feeling that jealousy emotion. And it may be because and you let's say like you did a, you did a great you did a great set and I didn't do as well but I'm looking at you like oh man he he, he was amazing he was great and then I'm just pondering 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 on it and it's like man I ain't jealous I'm not jealous I'm just upset that uh, he did better than me well that's the same you're you're jealous <laughs> it, it's it's okay to feel like you said it's okay to feel that we're, we're imperfect but it's like being honest with yourself that you do feel that. And acknowledging that you is, is no reason that you should, and, and and letting it harbor and fester and just dig into you, and I, I mean not just I'm mean, using jealousy as an example, just anything really, just being honest and saying you know mm-hmm. I, I'm wrong, I am wrong, right, right, and it's great that you use that that example of poetry, um, with with we you know people performing and their wordplay and stuff like that, because believe it or not that goes on a lot more in the poetry community than what people realize. Like <laughs> you have people that are really jealous of them because of their delivery, you know, their wordplay and stuff like that. And for the poetry community is like, like I was already breaking it down before I consider myself part of the poetry community. Cause I've been writing poetry a long time. Like I've been writing poetry probably since I was like 10, you know what I'm saying? I've always liked wordplay, always 
like, you know what I'm saying, making words dance, stretching meanings, double entendres, triple entendres, and still trying to get the message across, you know, clearly, you know, that's, that's, that's very attractive to me. me so it's like, for you to use that example of poetry with the jealousy and the envy, it goes on a whole, a whole lot. And even when I first, you know, started going to shows and I seen certain people delivery and stuff like that, like when I first started eternalizing it, it kind of, it, it, it did. It kind of felt like jealousy or whatever, but I didn't have to step back and be like, I'm not really jealous of that person, but I admire what they do. Right. Like what they do is at the top of their game. And when you can fully remove yourself from the situation and understand that, like, Hey, you might be, and I have people and I don't, I don't like to toot my own horn. You've heard me say this is a fellow court because we run in the, you know, the same circle. I don't like to toot my own horn. I don't like to say, you know, but I've had people that we consider pioneers here in the local community of the triad in North Carolina, you know, tell me like, yo, you dope. I wish I could do wordplay like you do. You are, and I really take it like, <laughs> you are dope. <laughs> yeah, I really take it. You know what I'm saying? I really take it like, yo, I consider you like the Gandalf of this shit. And you're telling me that Ooh. like, and when I started, when I started getting that, it was like, you know, that made me even more understand like the feelings that I'm having. It's not jealousy. It's not envy. I really admire these people and what they, what they do. But you got some people that can't do that because they thought like they should be further along and where they yeah. are. Yeah. They should be doing things certain ways, but see, but what they fail to feel, realize in those situations is it all comes back to self. I can't control what that person is doing on stage. I can only control what I'm doing. Right. So if I'm really jealous of what that person is doing on stage, it's really because I feel less of what I'm doing. I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I don't feel like I'm giving my best foot forward mm. because I can have the same things they have. I can do the same things they do, but it's up to me to do it. Yeah, facts. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Because, I mean, the perfect example for me personally is just you know, with, the, with the pros and men thing, when, you know, when everybody got together and that cypher, you know, and I, I, I botched it up trying to pull a freestyle, you know, out of nowhere. But the fact of, like, you know, the iron sharpening iron factor that we all say, um, I, I love seeing someone like you on stage performing. You know, even if, like, I think I had the best thing, you go and smash the room. I'm like, yo. He killed it. I'm like, I'm stu- I like to study those who do, who do good, you know, on a set do good. Wow. That was, <laughs> that was the most horrible English. Do, um, I just like watching the people who, who go up there and just smash. Cause then I, I see, okay, what can I take from them and put it towards right. me to elevate myself to where, and again, I don't want to be them on stage. I just want to have that experience. Okay. I want to feel what they're feeling right now you know, the way they're delivering. And I'm like, lately I'm like, I've been more confident in my writing because I'm internalizing the education I've gotten through, through people. So that's, that's the one thing about the poetry community. We're able to see so many different aspects of writing and styles to where you're pretty much at the front, at the front of the class getting education through various people. Even somebody just a casual writer and they go and they just kill, you can learn something from them. You can learn from someone who's been in the game for years. You know, there's so much things we can learn. And not just that, but the substance that they are performing in front of us, they may be able to help you personally 
and there's no need to get je- jealous or upset that they did so good and you're not at that level or at that t- moment and not at that level because honestly everything you can pick from like like you said you know energy and vibes and you can actually and you're going to learn that you're going to learn something whether you want to or not at that very moment you you could be learning something but you're you're rejecting the process because you want to be in your feelings right Right, and don't realize that the feelings that you're in is really personal feelings. It ain't nothing that nobody's causing. Right, it ain't nothing nobody doing. It's all personal feelings. You just ain't took the time to actually internalize your own feelings and understand where they're coming from. Right, so it's like you know. And a good example of that within the poetry community was um probably about what we 2020 now, so probably about 19 years ago, uh, before City Soul, before Soul of the City, uh, before uh, all that stuff. It was um. It was an open mic uh, that was done downtown. It was where well, the subway is downtown. There used to be a coffee shop called Port City Java. Mm-hmm. And it was an open mic called Spoken Lingo. And there was every Wednesday night, um, it was this cat there. His poetry, and you know, poetry is pretty much free form. You know, it's, right. it's whatever you want it to be. Like I try to tell people, writing in your daily diary or journey is really poetry. It doesn't, it, it can have a structure if you want it to have a structure where it's A, B, A, B, you know what I'm saying? It can, you know, have standards and stuff like that. But poetry is really personal to the person that's writing it. It really is free form. But to say that it was a guy that used to um, get up and he used to read his poetry and my man was, he didn't have no stage presence. He was real monotone. Sound like he was just reading a monologue story and stuff like that, but it was his, it was his feeling, it was his poetry. Right, he used to get up there and bleed on stage, even though he couldn't deliver mm. it. Even though you could tell he was nervous, he was shaky every time, you know. And he never really fell it in, but it because you could tell it was because people were judging exactly what he was doing as what their idea of poetry was. Mm. And for me, like, I honestly, like, you used, I, I used to like, I mean, not used to, I mean, I only used to because the event doesn't go on anymore and I had, I hadn't seen dude at the event, but I liked hearing him get up there in his rawness, you know, he didn't try to rhyme, he didn't try to do too much scheming, but what was his was his, right. you know what I'm saying? That was his poetry, free of judgment. You could still tell he was nervous because he was going to be judged, but he got up there with the intent that he was going to get his emotions and feelings out whether people were listening or not. And that's a beautiful thing because some of us get so far into this that we feel like we become the all-knowing. We feel like we become the standard. We feel like we become the bar to what's going on around us. And we don't necessarily know how to handle those around us that might not necessarily be doing it at the level that we're doing it might not necessarily be doing it with the hunger that we're doing it. Like everybody is different. Right. So it's like when you start to understand that, then you know, that can even play into what's going on in the world today. Like people just don't understand just how on each level of everything, there's going to be differences and they're going to be commonalities. But with the commonplace, the main commonplace is that we have to understand is that everybody's different. I can't judge a person because they're different. And this is stuff that we tell our kids. We raise our kids like, don't judge them because they're different. Don't belittle them because they're different. Don't belittle them because they don't do it the way you think is right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if anything, try to help them, you know, whatever. But even so much so, 
in this true poetry community, like and that's kind of where I said, don't get me wrong, I still enjoy poetry. I still, you know, I'm ready for this corona stuff to get over so I can get back out to the open mics and yes. stuff like that. Yes. But as far as like, you know, you realize even within this community who you can be tight knit with and who you can't because of how they view themselves and how they view others. Like, don't get me wrong. I still love people. I still want the best for people, but I have to understand for my sanity, my mental safety, my mental health, and all that, which plays into my physical health and all that, I can only handle you at a certain extent because of the way you view people around you. And there are some people in the community that because they feel like people aren't going as hard as them, people aren't putting the same energy in, they feel like these people are less than them without even taking the time to understand what these people might be going through mentally, what they might have going on outside of poetry. So it's like, you know, you understand that you get on that hamster wheel and you run it, but we don't take the time to understand or look at our 90-degree peripheral and understand, like, hey, the same way I'm running on this hamster wheel, they're running on their own hamster wheel. Right. There may be, there may so be some like, spokes you know, missing, you, and they're, they're, they're tripping up sometimes. Right, and it's like when you start to realize that, like, community will be so much more, you know, enthralled than certain, with certain you know, poets and the community would grow and be bigger because, you know, I've had people come to me and be like, does this certain poet rub you the wrong way? And I don't like to get in conversations like that because that's a personal opinion. Right. And too many times, too many times, more than often, opinion can become truth if too many people got that same opinion. And that's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I... So it's like, you know, that's like, that's I like, tell people, my bad. go right ahead. No, no, no. I don't want to stop your process, your thought process. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I tell people, you know, to take the situation in for themselves, digest it on themselves. I don't try to give people my opinion too much on things. Yeah. Like, I don't, I like people to, I feel like experience is the best teacher. And I don't get me wrong, if I can give you advice and I've been through something, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. you know, I'll try to give you my advice. But at the same time, I'm giving you my advice and I'm letting you know what you do with it is what you do with it. Yeah. And I try not to give my advice for where I'm coming from, just my point of view. And that's hard to step outside of yourself and not give advice from your point of view. Mm -hmm. But what the common sense or what the truth should be. But I try to do that as much as possible. And there's some people that just, you know, there's some people that just can't do that for the life of them. Sometimes I, I try not to like you say, you know, sometimes something comes true if too many people you know, have their opinion on it. If, so it's like when you feel some, some type of way, you don't need to go into a whole entire crowd and tell everybody and their mama, you know, the situation because now you're swaying their opinion about, in this, let's say an individual or maybe a place, a location, or a certain topic. Um, Right, and and they don't have all the facts, but they're believing you because you know. Oh well, he he or she's dealt with it, and now you can't you can't get out of the you can't get you can't find the truth out because you pretty much spread whatever you spread to where now everybody's on your side, and now you can't really. <laughs> it's kind right, of right, right, and that it's, it's kind of like in a relationship where you talk yeah. you talk junk about the girl or the guy, and then you go to your friends, you do all this, and the next year the friends hate the person, and then you go back with them. It's like, well, what happened? You thought you this person was horrible. Well, 
yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's right, a, right. It's like you 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 creating a bias, yeah, opinion, a point of view of a person, all because of your feelings. Once right. again, like, like I know I get, I know some people get tired of hearing me say it, but I be trying to get people to understand that a lot of our transgressions that we go through really all start with self, until we're able to break down self. That's that's honestly why I have no problem, you know, being to myself, being in the house. Like this time period for me, like don't get me wrong, I want to get out and go to certain things, you know what I'm saying? But this time period for me hasn't been an upheaval. It hasn't been like a, a whole Kevin Fever thing because I'm like, you know, when you understand that it's best to deal with self, until you deal with self, you're going to have a lot of these added, unneeded emotions baggage so to speak as Erica Badu called it you know you're going to mm. carry around this baggage you're going to carry around all these emotions and you don't even realize what you need to place down what you need to pick up shoot some people got so much on them they, don't, they can't even pick up what they need to pick up right. because they're so convoluted in their mind you know what I'm saying it's like that whole point of view shaping like I've, and I've had people you know come to me and be like, yo, how you feel about this certain poet? Like, is this certain poet rubbing you the, the wrong way? And you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not for me to tell you how I feel about them because how I feel about them is ultimately how I feel about them. I have to deal with how I feel about them. Yeah. And sometimes... You have to deal with how you feel about them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because they may be trying and to get validation like, for their feelings right there. Right. Right. And a lot of times they don't even realize that the validation doesn't sometimes it doesn't need to be validated. The validation is you understanding why you feel that way and whether or not you need to hold it in, mm-hmm. eternalize it, how you need to move from it. But it's not to try to sway other people's opinions and get like this whole, you know, pitchfork and torch, you know what I'm saying, yeah, torches yeah. out for this person, you know what I'm saying, or for this situation. It's yeah, it's and I've and I've 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 seen it. <laughs> I've seen yeah. it. Like I said, I've been I first stepped out on the scene, like I said, I've been writing poetry since like, you know, since I was in my single digits as a child, but as far as actually stepping out on the poetry scene here in the um here in Raleigh, which I was born and raised in Raleigh, uh, the first year I probably stepped out it was like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. So I've been in this community in and out, you know, for like ten years, you know, I've seen spoken lingo. Uh, when they were over at Sports City Java, you know, I've seen Smoking Brews when they was over there. You know, I've seen the other little upstars with, uh, you know, try to come up with Im- Imager, you know, Emerge. I always get their name wrong on how to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> you know, so I've seen a lot come and go in this community. I've seen a lot of poets get, get burnt out with just the poetry community here because of the way people move within it and it take away their hunger for poetry mm-hmm. altogether. And that's that's never a good feeling. No. That's no. you know, that's censorship so to speak, you know. Yeah. You you got people formulating enough point of views of where a person feels uh censored, like they can't perform or it may be that they don't even want to deal with like they don't even want to come to the establishment because they feel like the drama's gonna be there. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like there shouldn't be politics involved at all. And it really shouldn't be because this is something that's so free form. This is something that's so expressive. You know, it's it's like the only politics that should be in it is when somebody's doing a social issue piece. That's the only politics that really should be right, in it. You right, know what I'm right. saying? Like, yeah, yeah, other than that, all the other 
because we're all just artists trying to strive to make it. Like we're all just, you know, even if even if you don't take the art as you something that you're trying to make it in, you still use it as an outlet for self. Like even if I do that and I perform in front of other people, that's still an outlet. Like you got some people, and I do it sometimes. Sometimes I get up and I perform. I'm not even performing for the audience. I'm performing for myself. Hmm. Like because it's therapeutic. It's not to say I'm being selfish, but at that moment, I need this more than what y'all may need this. And I understand sometimes that somebody in the crowd may need it more than I may need it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's so free form, it's so spoken word, it's so expressive. The politics in it, it does. It, it drains you. It makes you want to recluse, not want to deal with certain people. You know, like I get it. Everybody has their own hunger, what they see. You know, some people not just doing poetry. Some people are, you know, in other things in media or whatever, or art where they may be painters, actress, actors, stuff like that. So they use all that and tangle with each other to try to progress themselves. And that's like, you know, when they see the casual poet, because I consider myself a casual poet. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like, I consider myself, like, I've got a lot of stuff that I've written that I've probably never performed, but I consider myself, like, the casual poet. But you got some people that they're extremists with it. They're hardcore. Yeah. Like, they are, like, yeah, they they take it like they're a big production, you know what I'm saying, company or studio, you know, like, they're a part of it. And, you know, even the ones that's doing that at that level, don't even take it that seriously. Like I've worked with the people that actually got the production, you know what I'm saying? Companies around here, you know, there's, you know, I've worked with church in the South. Right. I feel like I can, you know, say their names because they know me like that. Like they wouldn't have a problem. I've worked with church in the South. Yeah. Two of the most easiest people personally, the way I feel, two of the most easiest people to work with, the most understanding people to work with, as long as you communicate with them on what you need, stuff like that. Like church and the sign are two beautiful people. Now there's people that work with them that go harder than they do at what they're doing. Right. So it's like And they already they already put out the life. themselves. <laughs> right. So it's like as the people that we consider how would I put it? As the people that we consider like the the tribune, the tribunal um, the highest up, you know what I'm saying, the Gandalf, the, you know what I'm saying, the people that we consider that, yeah. they, the road I get it, they, they've made it, they've done it, they put in their work, they've put in, they, they've earned their respect, so they kind of relax a little more, you know, and it's people that work, some of the people that work with them go more hardcore than they do. Yeah. And for some of them, it's like, they use, you know, what the ones before them have done as a reason to go that hard. But at the same time, it's like sometimes they don't understand that that energy of going so hard is smothering out other people's energy mm. because you're, you you can become overbearing. You can, can become excessive. Like it, it can become too much if somebody just does this casually. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong because I do it casually. That's not going to make me take my performance any less. And I think people have a feeling of that. Like casual poets don't perform like the people that really want to do this. Yeah. Like, I've been to other states performing, but I still consider myself a casual poet. I'm not a touring poet. I'm not a professional poet. I'm not, I just like to express myself. 
and hope people catch my wordplay and my double entendre and triple entendre and stuff like that. And I've gotten to the point that sometimes even if they don't, that's cool. Right. Because they might get it later. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have plenty of people come up there and be like, yo, your double entendre, your triple entendre, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? You say some of the most complex stuff, but I catch it simply. And then they'll say, you know, such and such on the same card as you said some simple shit, and I just couldn't get it. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I that's, and I take that, you know what I'm saying? I say there's a moment to try to talk up the other person, try to talk up poetry itself. Like, okay, so what you got to understand is we come into this with an idea of what we feel poetry should be. So that might be why you feel like what I said was harder hitting us, smashing it, as you said earlier, smashing the stage compared to what the other person has done because you may have felt like you had an idea of what poetry should be. Yeah. But it's all encompassing. Like, yeah. yeah, it's true. True. We is to put it simply, you can say that every genre of music that has words in it comes from poetry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you have something that's all encompassing like that, you can't try to put people in boxes. You can't try to minimize people in that effort. You can't try to minimize people in what they do, even if what they do to you may not seem like poetry. That's very true. I mean, but, you know, even, like, like you said, with the whole someone smashing, like you know, saying smashing, smashing the set, I mean, it's not to take away from anyone else on that lineup. And like you said, like, one, right. you may particularly, I in particular, for example, may say, like, yo, that person just killed it. But across the board, you appreciate, and well, this is coming from someone, of course, who knows, you know, on, being on stage, how it feels. Um, you see someone on stage and they they killed it too. It's just the other person probably, one, for you, oh man, I think they did a little a little better. But across the board, you can't, I, I'm, I'm not going to put them in a first place, second place, third place, because it takes away from the poetry of what they performed. And that's what's so beautiful, right. so beautiful, because... I mean, I remember. I think I've said this so many times. Where um, Rocky did a poem about a taco. I mean, you, someone does a poem about a taco. How how simple, but yet how how she performed it was so great. And then you come with someone else to say, and they come and do a political piece that's so heavy hitting. Can you and some people, oh yeah, I'm, I'm with the political piece because it's so hard. Don't take away from the person who talked about the taco because they were just as good. It's just you felt in line more so with the topic of what they said, probably. You know. Right, right. You know, a lot of people do that and they'll they'll, you know, try to, you know, demean or, or belittle what a person is doing on stage because they might not align with the topic. Um, hell shit, I've even done that to my to my to myself, um as a poet. Like, you know, I didn't Yo when I first man. started writing poetry when I when I first started writing poetry, I didn't consider myself an erotic poet. I didn't want to be considered an erotic poet. I didn't even want to enter the lane of erotic poetry because <laughs> I had already seen where it was going to go before I entered it. Right. Of course, I enter it, and that's all people want to hear. Like, I get it. Shit says. It is what it is. But I'm more than just an erotic poet. Like, I have other pieces. Right. I have performed other pieces. Like, I get it. Like, uh, you know, some people have an innate ability with certain topics, like, to make other topics, you know, like, I think when, when it comes to my erotic, I guess the reason it's worth telling when it comes to my erotic poetry, because I do a lot of double entendre and triple entendre that people wouldn't necessarily consider be related with eroticism or intimacy. Like, but I pull it off. But I don't want to be put in a box as an erotic poet because I'm more than just 
in a lot of poets. And it, and it kind of made me step back from the poetry community for a moment when that started happening because I'm like, okay, I feel like I need to reinvent myself because I stepped into this lane. I'm getting to the point where I'm barricading myself in this lane because that's all that's out there or whatever that's all that people are paying for. But I have to pull myself out of this lane. I have to turn out this, I have to get off this highway in this lane. Like I got to yeah. find an exit. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've even done it with myself. And like, no, I got to, I'm, 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 I'm tired of being considered an erotic, erotic poet. Cause even within the, like there's levels to it, even within being considered erotic poetry, people feel like erotic poetry should be done a certain way. Right, yeah. Like a lot of people don't feel like erotic poetry isn't poetry unless you're putting pussy ass. I don't even know if I can say this in the podcast. <laughs> you, yeah, you good, you good, you're fine, you're fine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They don't feel like it's erotic poetry unless you're putting dick, pussy ass, uh, me the fuck, and stuff like that. Like, yeah. nah, like. Me and Free talked about that. Free the Pope, we talked about, you know, because um, we were just, because we were just like doing a freestyle with, with something like that along those lines. And we're just like, you can be tender with it without actually saying it. There's, there's a way. That's what's so beautiful about poetry. You can you can say something without actually saying it. You don't actually need to go in that direction. <laughs> right, and honestly, that's when I feel like I, that's when I've been able to. I went. I don't. I don't like to say who does stuff the best because we all have a different measurement of how something's done. But right. I, I do say that's when it comes over when it when it's conveyed best to me is when it's dressed up. Like anybody can say fuck, dick, pussy. Like that's easy. Right. That's easy. Bend me over and stick it in me deep. Like that's 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 easy. That's easy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that comes that 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 becomes no different than a than a than a than a smut letter written in the play Playboy. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Right. So to <laughs> but it's like, you know, take your efforts and dress it dress it up. So you know what I'm saying? Like, and I even. And that's another reason why I didn't want to be considered erotic poetry because I knew my style of writing would have to be dumbed down when it comes to eroticism. Mm. And I had people actually try to tell me, like, yo, you got to dumb it down some. Like, I had people try to hit me with a loopy AP Even your eroticism, you have to dumb it down a little bit because they're not getting you. Yeah, that's not, and I took a moment, like, honestly, I, 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 it's right, and I and I had to, but I digested it. I didn't just take what they said as like, oh, you just criticizing me, you jealous or whatever, you don't like what I'm doing, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't get me wrong, all those thoughts enter my head right. because I'm human. But at the same time, I understood, depending on who it was coming from, I know that's not the way they meant it. They meant it so I could be more easily, you know, digesting and stuff. But once I digested what they were saying about me dumbing it down, I'm like, nah. Yeah. Nah, I ain't necessarily got to dumb it down. <laughs> I can deliver it in a different way where it's more, nice. you know, understood. But that's still, I'm not, I'm not dumbing myself down. You know what I'm saying? You still want to think about that line I just gave you. That's what I want you to do. Right, exactly. <laughs> I want it to resonate. Right. So no, nah, I'm not dumbing myself down for it, anybody, but more so in that erotic lane of poetry, it's like, hey, they just, they just want it raw, so to speak. Like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the irony of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they want it raw. <laughs> so it's like, nah, I mean, that's why I slowly had to come out of that lane. You know, that's why I started personally, not just with the accident, but before the accident, Corona thing, you know, 
I started taking hiatuses between being seen in the poetry community because it's, it was it was like that for a moment. Like, yo, your eroticism is dope. Like, I had people tell me, you know, it's dope. I had people tell me it's dope. And the same person's like, but you've got to dumb it down a little bit. A lot of times when they say dumb it down, you know, it'd be like, the men are getting it, but the women aren't. And the women are the ones that really drive the eroticism shows. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, they didn't even listen to that person. Yeah. <laughs> I slow in my speech. I slow in my speech. I make what I'm saying more clearer. Yeah. But I'm not dumbing it down. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I mean, dang. Dumbing it down to me is, it, it, like, I'm, the way you took it, you know, I'm, I'm processing it now. Like I said to me, like, dumb it down. Because for me, you know, from the, again, I'm, I'm probably saying it again. Just repeating it, but just for a lot of times, you know, I, I feel like a lot of my poetry I wrote last year from a prose of men onward wasn't that good, I mean, even if people liked it or not. I just for me personally, because of where I was coming from, it it was probably just a write to for the event or for the crowd, uh, even though I was writing with myself in mind. But it wasn't until the past few months this year or so, it, it was just like where I started writing for just for just writing my trying to increase my style and try to write better. And it was just free flowing to where now I feel more comfortable with where um, I'm not going to hold back when I do get back on stage. <laughs> um, right. and, and, and hearing dumb it down is, I feel like we dumb ourselves down so much already by critic our self criticism. That was like, look, I, I, the education you just gave me, by say dumb it down. Can just like you just told me I need to do something different. I'm going to need you to deliver it differently to me saying, don't dumb it down. But, can you structure it differently to where it's more digestible? Well, like you said, maybe you'll maybe you'll deliver, you'll slow down your pace a little more. Maybe you'll, um, uh, maybe you won't go on one of those impact lines hit. You'll emphasize them harder. You know, certain things like that. But of course, you know that's from people who actually are in there or probably know the sequences of events of thought process when it comes to writing any poetry or just writing in general. Um, but Dang, dumb it down though. Mm. Right. <laughs> that's like the that's like the worst phrase to hear as an artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's any art form as an actor, artist, a yeah. painter, you know, artist with words, expression. Tell Jim you want me tell, to dumb it down. Tell Jim Carrey to dumb down his acting. Like, whoa, what do you mean? That's how he is. Right. <laughs> Right, tell Dave Chappelle to dump down his, you know, oh, his stand up. Like oh, what? Did, did you see his latest? Did you see his latest one? Uh, I've seen clips and pieces. I haven't went back and watched the whole thing yet. I think that's what me and the wife is gonna do today because I want to see the whole thing. You talking about eight forty six, right? Yeah, we we watched it last night. We we, did, we weren't expecting to watch it, but we didn't want to go to bed, so we just pop it on. Man, pop it in and like text me tell me what you think tomorrow or something like that man because it is crazy i definitely i definitely will but you know i can i can i kind of expect i kind of know what to expect from david chappelle but at the same time it's like is this you know what i'm saying with all, everything that's boiled over and everything at the height of the tension that it is it's like you even gonna get a more raw form of david chappelle and i love i love everything he does yeah, because he he didn't tell no lie. He was like, "Have I not been doing comedy about this?" <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. He doesn't like. This is the same thing they tried to censor him for. Like he been tried to put us up on game. Like 
that. You know, I didn't even realize that his first episode, I didn't realize that, that Clayton Bigsby character was the first episode of Dave Chappelle. Yeah, he like came I, with I it. thought that was like, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was like the second or third season for some reason. I don't know why I felt like that was later in his season, but that was his very first episode. Like Clayton Bigsby was his very first episode. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, definitely ahead of his time. Definitely a genius in his art form. Definitely. Definitely. Well, man, we, we, we've talked about things from, you know, touched on personal things to uh, the protest, to COVID, to you know, erotic, erotic poetry, to our art form and internalization and beyond for this. Uh, we talked on so many different things, man. Actually, I know I told you, we went over. <laughs> it just flows so nicely, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good thing. You know, that's when you have your best conversation when it's like, you know, things just flow. Yeah. We understand, like, and that's one thing about me. I, I try to talk like I heard you made the statement that you try to, you know, you try to make sure you you endure different cultures and stuff like that and take in different cultures. And I've always been that way. So I guess that's why conversations like this just come so naturally easy because I try to make sure I'm always fluent in everything that's going on around me. You know, I understand there's more than just me in this world. There's more just cultures than just my culture. You know, there's truth and beauty within everything. It's just a matter of being able to dissect it and find it. Like nothing is completely, like nothing is completely a lie. Some things are completely the truth, but you got to be able to know that there's even when there's there's dirtiness in the water, you got to understand there's some clear spots. Like you know, there's truth in everything. So just being want to soak in everything around me. Like don't get me wrong. Like to put it in perspective, I I was that cat that was. Like, even though we just talked about the term black, which is what we identify. So I was that black kid in school that I ran with everybody. I didn't just subject myself to my community. Right. Like I was on a chess team in middle school. I did yearbook. Uh, I played Yu-Gi-Oh cards with the nerds, Pokemon <laughs> with the nerds. Shoot, I still yeah. played Tonk and Spades with the black hole. You know what I'm saying? Like I made sure I encompassed myself with everything around me to encompass myself with so I would never feel closed-minded. Right. You know what I'm saying? I would never feel like the world is only as big as my world because you get stuck. You, you find yourself in some bad situations. You feel like the world is no bigger than you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, mean, nah, I definitely enjoyed this conversation. It definitely flowed. Yeah, man. It, it did. It did, man. I, I loved it. Like, as soon as you, you – I don't know what it was because – Honestly, it's like you know, I told you how I had a little, little, little notes on the side. I was like, man, bump it. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and <laughs> just keep on talking. Like, I didn't even look at it after we, you charged up after we started talking about the protest because I was like, oh yeah, well, let's go down this road because I've been meaning to talk about it for a while. You know, I mean, I, I talk about it, you know, off air with um, you know, like that, but just just talking to you about it, you know, and hearing your perspective and education how you got from your experiences of things like. It put in, I'm, I'm gonna let that marinate of you know, really the the, the term black and the term African American and, and, and race and nationality. I'm really gonna let that marinate and process it. No, definitely, definitely. I understand. That's that's why I say it because I just want people to, to you know, what I'm saying you ain't necessarily got to use it as a way to, from the question your identity, right? But if you don't know who you are, you're gonna always question it. So. Right. It's like I just I just put it out people who understand like, you know, our history goes back as 
further than anybody else's history. You just got to understand where the Lord and understand who you are and how you got here. Because even how they tell us of how we got here, you know what I'm saying? It's not the complete story. Right. It's his story. History on earth is <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. Like, and our history is not being told because they're scared if we ever get this knowledge, we ever attain this knowledge fully, then we figure, we figure out who we are and what we're capable of. And it's true. If we figure out who we are, we do. We will figure out what we're capable of. But that plays into that simple term of a man that doesn't know where he comes from. And when I say man, um, I really should say woman as well. I understand how you know women hate to be, you know, we gender. I, I try to make sure I'm politically correct. I even hate that term, politically correct. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm that, not saying to mean when that's I say, another, that's another, when I say um, man. <laughs> I know what you mean. Right. I know what you mean, though. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you know, I'm gonna replace that when a being yeah. understands. Right, you know, right. when a being doesn't know from which they come, they can't possibly understand where they're going. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't take the time to, and I ain't talking about doing ancestry and getting in your DNA and all that. You know, because you can find out without doing all that, but. If you don't know fully where you come from, you can't understand where you're going or how to get there. Mm. You know, man. Hey, let's go ahead. And, let's go ahead and end on that note. Let, let that marinate to for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, again, I appreciate you, man, and, and everything you, you you bring forward to the table, to life itself, and to the poetry community. Um, miss you. You know, when it comes to the shows and everything, can't wait to see you back in the game uh, when everything's kind of leaning in the normal again so same here my man you know those shows feelings are definitely neutral I miss the poetry community as well especially the camaraderie that us fellas have started building because we definitely we definitely need that definitely we need that definitely. I'm definitely ready to get back out there myself I appreciate you hitting me up but it's honor. I literally been waiting for like last month and a half. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to get this. <laughs> even with the feeling of waking up and feeling like blah this morning, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, nah, I'm not even about to let that hinder me because I've been anticipating this. And I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to have a big conversation with my fellow king. Because, you know, it's certain people I talk to and the conversation is always great. Yeah. You're, you're, you're one of them. Like, the conversation is always flowing. Mutual. It's always a give and take. Like, I'm being fed and I'm feeding you as well. So, I love those interactions. So I, I appreciate what you're doing. I'm glad to be a part of it. You know, continue the movement. But you definitely, you definitely got something special there. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. And everybody else, I hope you enjoyed King Cotton. And remember everybody, vibes do not lie.